Good morning and welcome to Health Watch. I'm Dr. David Naiman, your host. Today's guest, Diana Beresford Kroger, is a world-recognized author and scientist with a unique background in both Western science and the tradi traditional ways of Aboriginal peoples. Orphaned in Ireland in her youth, Beresford Kroger was educated by elders who instructed her in the ancient Celtic knowledge of plants and nature. She went on to study classical botany and medical biochemistry and worked as a research scientist at Ottawa University and then at the Canadian Department of Agriculture Electron Microscopy Center. And she's known for bringing together botany and biochemistry, Aboriginal healing, traditional wisdom, and Western medicine. Beresford Kroger has served as a scientific advisor to a number of organizations, including the Irish Woodland League, Ecology Ottawa, Hidden Harvest of Ottawa, Canadian Organic Growers, Archangel Ancient Tree Archive, and the Acadian Forest Research Center. Recently, she was named by the Utney Reader as one of the world's visionaries and elected to the College of Fellow of the Royal Canadian Geographic Society. She's here today on Health Watch to talk about her book, The Sweetness of a Simple Life, Tips for Healthier, Happier, and Kinder Living, and also to discuss an upcoming conference and gathering inspired by her work entitled Call of the Forest, Water, Climate, Spirit, that will explore the imperative of reforestation and watershed restoration, and will include a preview screening of a film about Beresford Kroger's work entitled Call of the Forest, The Forgotten Wisdom of Trees. Welcome back to Health Watch, Diana Beresford Kroger. Hello, David. Hi. <laughs> uh, um, you know, when 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 uh, uh, different things about me are read out, I think, who's that? And I look <laughs> over my shoulder and I think, oh, there's got to be somebody behind me. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, let's let's start the program just orienting our readers to or our yeah. listeners to what prompted you to write the sweetness of a simple life. Well, actually, uh, David, um, I had heard a number of years ago the Dalai Lama speaking. I was invited into the group. And um, I'm also a very great fan of Archbishop Desmond Tutu, and indeed I've written with N Nelson Mandela. And it seems to me to be that what we have to do is simplify our lives is to make things around us more simple and pop out the ideas like love and companionship and friendship and, and health in our lives, above all health, because we really can't enjoy our lives without health. So that's really what got me going. And I thought, well, I can't really write a book about simplicity. And then I looked around me here and I thought, oh, yes, I can, actually, because that's how I live. And um, I r run research gardens here, and I have all of the, the Aboriginal medicines here in the North American Medicine Walk. And I thought, well, I can talk about that, because people come in and they're very interested in it. And um, I can talk about, you know, my, my past life in a way of my, the surgery in my life and the, uh, the flow dynamics part of my life, hemoglobin flow dynamics is Hemodilution is what I was very interested in, and my work is used for tissue transplanting. So, um, you know, I come from that kind of angle and look at it and think, well, yeah, uh, there's lots of things I can tell people to do to be simple, really, really simple. Like, for instance, I mean, David, all you have to do in the day is just look at your partner, whoever your partner might be, over an egg in the morning and smile at them. I mean, it just decreases your cortisol, and that's your flight and stress hormone. And just to smile. 
smiled, the act of smiling reduces tension. And, like, that's cheap, you know? <laughs> it's very cheap. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're, you yourself are a scientist, and yet yeah. in your intro you say that you believe science has stolen the innocence from modern life. And what do you mean by that? Well, David, it kind of goes back a little bit further in a way about me. I come from, uh, I'm the last child of a noble family in Ireland. And my family, my family were the O'Donoghue bearers from Killarney. Now everybody knows Killarney. And uh, my pedigree goes back to beyond the 5th century. And I was the last child. And as that last child, I was taken under Brehan laws. And I was taught, everybody was killed when I was 11. They were killed in a crash. And um, for three years, I was taken in a wardship under Brehan. And um, I was taught all of the old Irish things in Gaelic, that is, all the fishoigries, all the telepathy, mental telepathy, the, the idea of looking after yourself, all of the old cures. And, you know, as a child, I remembered them. I, I'm kind of like an elephant. And I remembered all of these things. And in some senses, that's the under, underpinning of my science. So in a way, there's a certain amount of skepticism in me with regards to science as a whole. In one way, there's bandwagon thinking in many arenas. And I think we need to pay attention to the basics. And the basics are really eating good food, having sleep, having a warm house, having companionship, having love, and looking after nature around us. Really, it's that simple. Mm. And, and you have these, you've divided the book into brief essays on these topics. So, for instance, you mentioned the importance of sleep. Uh, and in your, in your sleep section, you talk about some simple things people can do, and one of them being eating bananas during the day, and then eating a piece of hard cheese at bedtime. Can, tell us a little bit about the, yeah. wi the wisdom behind that. Yeah, like, it, it's, you know, for all of America and all of the United States, and I'm really addressing all of you, the whole lot of you are sleep-deprived. Every single darn last one of you is sleep-deprived, including the children. And what you do is watch, in Ireland they call it the goggle box, watch television. So pardon my, my slang on that one. Or some kind of screen systems. But we are, uh, we are a member of an mammalian system called the human family. And we, we respond to the sun. We respond to the sun by way of morning. And in the morning, going into the evening, melatonin in our system is the great chemical curtain that shields the day from the night. And the melatonin curtain, as darkness comes, falls on our mind. And it gives us the ability to sleep. And to have the ability to sleep, you have to have lots of melatonin in your system. And you can't get it by watching screens and watching lights because in the world of 100 years ago, we had day and night. We didn't have screens. We didn't have all of the light pollution that we have today all over the cities. So you have to be a little bit mindful of that and make sure you get a decent night's sleep. And you can do it by taking, let's say, eating a banana if you want to, to have um, potassium, a good run of potassium into your kidneys. Or you can, which is very, very easy, you can do the following. You can go to your fridge. Now, 
tap tap on your hands don't eat too much just have a little bit of cheese hard cheese and kind of suck it just sit there and relax and and suck a little piece of cheese the size of your fingernail and what that does is it puts calcium into your system down into your stomach and that calcium is a divalent cation it means that it's a two-pronged cation and it'll hang itself on onto insulin and it makes your insulin last for a very long time. It wakes up your pancreas. And the insulin lasts for maybe about six hours. But what that does is it gives you a decent night's sleep. And then if you're moaning and groaning, you say, oh, I don't like cheese and I won't eat. Well, then have a little glass of milk. And if you don't like a glass of milk, have a spoon of yogurt. So what you're doing is you're making and, and you're activating your insulin and you're making your insulin work for you, and then that helps with the melatonin, and that in turn helps as an anti-cancer device, because all of the large classical studies that have been happening for the last five or six years show that if you're sleep-deprived, you are very, very prone to getting cancers because your immune system isn't so good. And you're also prone to type 2 diabetes, again, because your immune system isn't so good and your, your, your insulin isn't working so well. So we run back to the full circle of saying, at night, just sit down, relax, lollygag, have a little bit of cheese and just kind of fiddle around and then go to bed and you'll find you'll have a much better sleep. No, I mean, that's cheap too. We're talking today to Diana Beresford Kroger, the author of The Sweetness of a Simple Life, Tips for Healthier, Happier, and Kinder Living from a Visionary Natural Scientist. You you talk in a lot of these essays about various foods or activities that people can do that are inexpensive, often free. Uh, one of the, the plants that comes up in several of your essays is watercress. And I would love to hear you talk a little bit about watercress and what are some of the uses that come to mind for you around uh, watercress in a simple life? Yeah, you know, you know, David, where, where were you brought up? Were you brought up on the west coast of the U.S.? In Colorado, actually. Oh, Colorado, did you have watercress when you were a little boy? I didn't. No, yeah. Well, we had lots and lots of watercress in Ireland. And watercress in Ireland is actually, was actually, it's a water plant, and it has very green leaves that are kind of succulent, floating on the water, and it will only grow on clean water. Polluted water cannot grow watercress. And so as a child, we used to all collect this and make watercress sandwiches. So it was something that I really knew a great deal about until I started studying watercress. And then I discovered watercress is one of the very, very few species that adsorbs iodine into its system. And so when you eat watercress, and also there's quite a lot of iron as well from the water, because the land is rich in iron and the sea is poor in iron, and so fresh water is always quite rich in iron. But it's the iodine that I'm pointing a finger at. Now, we we have regulatory metabolism by... Um, our thyroid really kind of is the, one of the motors of the body, and the thyroid is under the chin. It's a very important gland under the chin with two parathyroids, one on each side, that regulates a lot of things. In fact, one of the things it regulates is your fat system, your brown fat system, the adipose system in your body. So if you take watercress, now you can make a watercress soup, 
or you can take watercress and sandwiches, or you can take watercress and add it into your salad. And I would advise you to take a good bunch of watercress into your salad, especially maybe if you're a little bit overweight, take a good wallop of it into your salad. And its calorific intake is very, very low, but its health effects is enormous. So what it does is it, it binds in with pyroxene, which is an iodine-carrying hormone in your body, and that will do all kinds of fantastic things for you. That will re-regulate your system. And lo and behold, you're also going to find that you're, you're, it kind of speeds up your system. It speeds up the major organs in your body, and it actually makes you more energetic, full of life. It's, it's, it's really, in a sense, it's a stimulant, equivalent to, you know, a couple of cups of tea or maybe many cups of coffee. It stimulates your body. You burn energy, and actually, you also lose quite a bit of weight. It trims up the body. So, you know, there's no reason why you can't eat watercress. Now, there's also another situation that has happened, is that Fukushima has actually... Um, sent a lot of seabirds out onto the west coast. There's quite a bit of radiation in the water around where you are right now, David. And so I would suggest to people to use the watercress, to eat more watercress on the west coast, especially people with children, and eat the watercress, maybe make watercress soup, so that you actually have a greater dilution effect in your body to dilute out the radiation in your body. Well, let me ask you another question that's very Portland-specific, since you're talking about the oceans near nearby mm-hmm. here also. we've we it, What's big in the news right now is we've discovered uh, several glass factories that have been releasing arsenic and cadmium and hexavalent chromium into the air at, at 100 times the, the federal safety levels. And if you live within a half a mile of one of these factories, you're told not to eat from your own garden at the moment until they until we know more but um what would you recommend in terms of either foods or things to plant in one's own yard potentially to help clean the air locally yeah or to potentially clean your body to help protect your body Okay, now one thing that you can clean your body that that is actually used as a cleanser in your body are elderberries Elderberry, elderberry soup, elderberry as a fruit actually is used as an antitoxin agent for your body um, for many, many reasons within medicine that actually happens. Then the other thing I would do is I would go to the seashore and I would find the algae called fucus fasciculosis. And that fucus also has a high mucilage, high iodine content in it. And please go sometime in September, the end of August, maybe the beginning of September. Now, this is a little message for you. At that time, in this particular algae, the conceptacles are formed in the algae, and they are the fruiting bodies, really the fruiting area um, of the of the algae itself, and within that there's a lot of mucilage. That is when the algae collects iodine out of the seawater. And what you do is you rub it on the surface of your body. You kind of squeeze, squeeze it. It's very squishy. It's a brown algae. Rub it on your body, and now that actually will help your body. The mucilage layers on the on your on your epithelial, and rub it on your legs. Rub it on your arms. Rub it on your body. Will help you to get rid of some toxins out of your body. 
then I would also advise these people to drink lots of water, more clean, good water. I'm saying, talking about well water, a clean, good water um, into your system to flush your system. Again, you're getting a dilution effect from this. Then the other thing I would suggest for the people who have gardens, and this is very worrying, I would suggest for you to go and get peat moss and add peat moss into your garden. Get lots of bags of peat moss. Peat moss adsorbs these chemicals, not absorbs, adsorbs these chemicals. And when you are growing your garden in the spring, put your plants out, but put rime over the garden itself. The areas of the garden, like lettuce that you're eating and things like that, put the rime over and use wooden clothes pegs. Kind of peg the, that stuff on to over your, where your garden is growing. And then when you're finished, get rid of the rime. So what you're getting is you're reducing the amount of airborne pollution that gets tagged on as hitchhikers into the 2.5 micron pollution aspect of your atmosphere. So you're reducing it for yourself and your children. Can you speak a little bit about um, forests as medicine and particularly with regards to urban forests? I know that is the main focus of a lot of your work. Um, So maybe you could just briefly touch on on some of the health benefits of, of trees within the city. Oh, I would love to do that, uh, David, really like to do that. Um, You have lots and lots of pines in that area, in your area where you're growing. Actually, uh, America is resplendent with pine trees, and pines produce marvelous aerosols, and those are alpha, beta, and gamma pinenes. Now, when you see my film, I talk a lot about forest bathing, and forest bathing is an ancient practice that actually boosts the immune system and there have been huge numbers of clinical studies done in Japan and some out of the United States at MIT into different universities in Germany and into Finland. Marvelous studies done on this. So what you do is you go into pine forests or you go near where there are pine trees in Oregon and you sit at the base of a pine tree and you just Breathe the air under the pine tree. And that will give you alpha, beta, and gamma pinenes into your system. Now, if you want to lollygag a little farther and go into the pine forest, you can do that too. And just take 15 minutes out of your life and spend that time around pines. It gives you a 30-day protection to cancers of all kinds. And let's let's um, talk a little bit before we end the program today, too, about this upcoming conference that's happening in California. That is uh, people coming to, inspired by your work in forests, to discuss uh, reforestation and, and watershed restoration. Yes, well, now before we say anything else, I want to say that I think there are a few tickets left, so you better kind of rush along here. And it's at Point Reyes, P-T-R-E-Y-E-S, book. PointReyesBooks.com, and the tickets, I, I, I have to tell you, are $120 for the full day and $150 if it includes dinner. But we will have an absolutely splendid day, and we, I am showing a preview of the film. Now, I, this is an international film. It's a huge, huge film that I've been working on for five years. It's the most money Canada has ever put into a film, ever. 
and it is for the international market. Also, there are five other sections for television all over the world, including Japan, Germany, all over the world. So it's a really important film. In this film, I'm giving you the answers for climate change, how we stop climate change. And I'm also telling you how it's very, very important to protect your health. And I've also uh, interviewed some of the top scientists in the world, the top marine chemists in Japan, the top scientists in the world. And together we have a very, very important set of discussions about the forests and what the forests are doing for us. And um, the, the, the film is absolutely gorgeous. And I'm telling you now, all of you audience listening, don't bother doing a film because it's actually too much work. I, I've worked like crazy on this film. So I'm, I'm, I'm so proud to show it to you. I'm so proud to, to be able to, to, to show it first in California because I love California. I love what's happening in California. And I'm very, very fond of the, of the, red, of the red cedars and all of the, the species of trees down along the California coast. So I want to pre- prepare you to help you to save them and protect them. And one of my favorite writers, I think, is on one of the panels, Rick Rick Bass, uh, oh, yes. who's a great writer of of the natural world. Yes, he is. Yes, he, yes, he is. And he and I are going to rub noses together again. <laughs> <laughs> well, can can you tell our listeners what the bioplan is? It's something you speak about um, in in other books, other than the sweetness of a simple life. But what it, what is the bioplan? The bioplan is taking an eye and looking at the world as a whole, and understanding in a way that we're all connected, that all of us women, we're all sisters, and we're brothers to all men, but we're also connected to life around us, and to understand that the genome of a tree is greater than our genome, and that maybe the butterfly that has passed you just yesterday is a very important species. And to carry and to hold biodiversity for you, for your children, and for your grandchildren. And to be mindful of how we tread on the world. And I think that's basically the essence of the bioplan. But my thinking and my idea is that if you have a clean garden, I have a clean garden. Everybody around us has a clean garden. The atmosphere becomes clean. The water becomes clean. If we look after the oceans and have sanctuaries of the ocean, that becomes clean. We can all do this together. Just the ordinary people, just the ordinary gang of all of us putting shoulder to shoulder, we can make a change in the world. Not just for us, but for the whole world. And 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 how do... How do you, Diana? How do you do you deal with skepticism about from people who listen to say like the importance of smiling to your partner in the morning or sitting under a pine tree? The skepticism that might come from people who think that's too simple of an answer, when maybe the whole point is that it's a simple answer. Um, how? Because I'm I'm assuming you must have some pushback in the scientific community um, around some of these ideas. Actually, I, I, I really don't, David. You don't? I don't, really, um, for anybody who's really educated, but from the people who are skeptics. Listen to me, you people. When I designed the stroma-free hemoglobin and the hemoglobin for tissue transplant, 
and um, the hemoglobin that's used in transplanting organs. And if, my God, I hope you never require an organ, a kidney or a heart, would you look into my face when I have worked so hard to make sure that that oxygenation happens in that heart you're receiving or the kidney you're receiving? Then do you laugh at me? I don't think so. Well, it was a pleasure having you back on on Health Watch today, Diana. Oh, it's my pleasure, David. It's it's really my pleasure. And I hope the com- I hope the conference goes really well. And it's on St. Patrick's Day. Well, a, a day after St. Patrick's Day. So I'm wishing to all the Irish people, La Fela, St. Patrick, a good. May it be that you have a very good St. Patrick's Day. And and you as well. Thank you. We were talking today to Diana Beresford Kroger, scientist and author of The Sweetness of a Simple Life, Tips for Healthier, Happier, and Kinder Living from a Visionary Natural Scientist. You've been listening to Health Watch. I'm Dr. David Naiman, your host.